Welcome, it's indisputable, good to be with you. We have a lot of show today, breaking down news of the day. We have host of the Twitchuation Room, Francesca. She is here, it is going to be live and in color. All right, top story of the day. There's a school teacher who had a troubled past. I mean, he was accused and under investigation for molesting minors. However, another school hired him instead, knowing about the investigation, knowing about the accusations. Because according to the headmaster of the institution, he came with very strong letters of recommendation. Let's put up his picture, he's been arrested. Yep, there he is, Robert Vandal, 63 years of age. Let me give you the background to this extreme story. A former Roswell teacher, this is in Roswell, Georgia, has now been arrested on rape charges against at least one minor, it may be more. Robert Vandal, 63 years of age out of Canton, is facing charges of rape, aggravated assault with the attempt to rape a child under 14. Aggravated child molestation, sexual assault by a person in a supervisory authority. Enticing a child for indecent purposes and false imprisonment of a child less than 14. Put his picture up again. That's the face of privilege and the face of evil. I'm going to prove both to you. Vandal taught at FAST, it's an academy before he was hired at Linden Academy in Roswell. The Roswell police said the victim was a student in that man's classroom. On Wednesday, Channel 2's investigative reporter, Jose, Chris Jose learned, a whistleblower told Linden Academy about Vandal's disciplinary issues involving students at other, not just one, but other Georgia schools. Put up a picture of the headmaster that hired him anyway. Let's keep that picture up, okay? Her name is Linda Murdoch. Linda Murdoch says on the website for the institution, the future is our priority and we desire to teach them a lifetime of love and learning. Keep a picture up. Linden Academy headmaster Linda Murdoch told the whistleblower in a letter, we were aware of the suspensions when we first interviewed him two years ago. Let's put up that quote now. Whistleblower gets in touch with the headmaster says, listen, I don't know if you all know this. But the teacher, Mr. Vandal, that you have hired has been accused of sexually molesting children. She responds back, we were aware of the suspensions, meaning the suspensions from other institutions, other schools. Murdoch also said people who knew and worked with Vandal strongly recommended that we give him a second chance. I mean, it wasn't just a, you know, a regular, let's give him a second chance. They strongly recommended we give Mr. Vandal a second chance. It gets deeper. A parent brought it forward to them and another principal brought it forward to them. They had every opportunity to avoid this, said a mother who requested not to be identified because her students are enrolled at the school. 
It's just very concerning that the school allowed that to happen and allowed it to continue to happen. The reporter posed the question, do you believe school leaders put other kids in danger? Very important question here. Do you believe school leaders put other kids in danger? The response completely, yes I do, the parent said. By allowing that to continue to happen after they were made aware of everything, they completely put them in danger. Franklin Simmons withdrew his daughter from Linden Academy shortly after learning of Vandal's arrest. Okay, now, he took his daughter out. He said, and I quote, she no longer felt safe. She did not feel safe there, not anymore. She did not feel comfortable. We just didn't feel that it was a good environment for her anymore. She had a lot of trepidation about returning to the school. A Fulton County judge has denied Vandal's bond on Tuesday. He has trial scheduled at the end of this month. We're gonna follow that trial. Simmons was at Vandal's court appearance this week, that's the parent. He also told Jose the reporter, his daughter wants to be there for the trial. What would you say to him, Jose asked. Response, I would have nothing to say, it would probably be best to not be within hands reach of him, according to the parent. Now, here's the other part, okay? This is just the tip of the iceberg. According to the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they said there are potentially more victims in Georgia communities, including Canton, Georgia, Duluth, Georgia, Holly Springs, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, Valdosta, Georgia, Woodstock, Georgia, and even the state of Alabama. The man has been doing this according to the accusations for years. He was under investigation for it when he got his new gig at a school. The headmaster was aware of the accusations of child rape, molestation, indecency and everything else. And said, but but he came with the, I mean, he was strongly recommended. We give him a second chance. Listen. I don't want anyone to say to me, put up the picture of the headmaster, okay? Because I'm gonna make a point here. Put up the picture of the headmaster. Now, the headmaster responded to the parent who's a whistleblower and said, we're going to give him a second chance, which means what? It means you believed the first thing happened. Because if you didn't believe the first thing happened, he doesn't need a second chance because he's on his first. Do you understand this? Um, Francesca, what are your thoughts here? I mean, if there was never any accountability for that crime, how the hell do you expect him to actually keep kids safe and know how to deal with kids if he's already been accused of these things and that it was known about? Like in no world, and it it like nine times out of ten, let's be honest, this kind of second chance, so to speak, is always afforded to. White men, it just happened to be always white men. And this is, look, it is not unique to this school at all. We're in a week where UCLA just settled because of a lawsuit from hundreds of students accusing their doctor of sexual assault. Come on, hundreds, hundreds of accusations. Tell me that administrators did not know that that was going on. No, it's that they don't take it seriously. So we live in a time, everyone's talking about kids this, kids that, think of the children. And yet, are people actually thinking of the children and keeping them safe? You know, you got QAnon going around talking about, you know, the Democratic pedophilia ring. Like, 
Guys, all you gotta do is look at our current structures when it comes to keeping children safe from predators and you realize, we're not doing nearly enough. If you were up at the school board talking about that instead of critical race theory, maybe mm. you could actually keep kids safe. Yeah, very well said. And I am of the belief that this headmaster needs to be criminally charged. Anyone involved in the hiring of this individual who did in fact endanger children, they need to be charged. They are part of the conspiracy. We're gonna follow this, he goes to trial at the end of this month. Okay, uh, this person I believe is the most racist person Canada has ever produced. Here's the video. Trudeau, someone's gonna make you catch a bullet one day. To the rest of this government, someone's gonna do you in. You might wanna change your uh, your name to Ishmael or drop a bunch of chains down the stairs and call yourself Chon Ching Ching Chang. <laughs> now you wanna say, oh, the Indians culture and everything. The natives culture is a disgrace, it is 100%. Every person who was born here in Canada, in North America, you are indigenous. People don't realize that. <laughs> if you were born of the land, you are indigenous of the land. It's called depopulation of the Caucasian race or the Anglo-Saxon. And that's what the goal is, is to depopulate the Anglo-Saxon race because they are the ones with the strongest bloodlines. They are the ones with the strongest bloodlines. That's right, Al, I've seen the mosque up in Fort Mac. Ladies and gentlemen, we are being overrun. The Anglo-Saxon people of Canada are our God-given culture. The Anglo-Saxon and the Francophones. We are losing our culture to other ethnic religions. This is not racism. This is genocide of a culture. Yeah, okay, let me give you some background to this guy. Put up his picture. He's actually a leader for what's called the Freedom Convoy. His name is Pat King. He's a Canadian trucker. He organized events, bigoted of course, we knew this. But he has organized various events. He's anti everything, obviously, including wearing a mask, vaccine, etc. Longtime conspiracy theorist. This hateful rhetoric exposes the extreme element of the core of the Freedom Convoy protest. A thread of videos of King espousing the great replacement theory, depopulation of the Caucasian race, via encouraging Arab, Muslim, and LGBTQIA plus infiltration, somehow involving the UN as well. The United Nations got thrown into this, as well as climate change denial and claims that Justin Trudeau is a pedophile. So it goes on and on, it actually gets deeper than that. The convoy arrived in Ottawa, okay? And the Washington Post has reported on this. Police in Ottawa are warning that any protesters blocking streets for the self-described freedom convoy may be arrested without a warrant. These protests are against vaccine mandates, coronavirus restrictions, um, blocked a third border crossing with the United States early Thursday. Uh, so they are active to say the least. The protest 
which have led to at least 23 arrests and 80 criminal investigations in the capital um, are now sparking vigorous debate among officials on how to best de-escalate the situation there uh, and at US-Canada border crossings. Where blockades have disrupted the flow of goods and people. Some are warning that mass arrests could prove counterproductive or even lead to violence. Um, you know, really interesting here, right? So last time I checked, Canada was a whole nother country, okay? I guarantee you, if we were talking about Mexicans doing exactly what this white bigot is doing, they wouldn't give a damn about arresting people and it being counterproductive because of violence. They would have such a harsh narrative against them. But remember, these are Canadians, okay? The number one violators of overstay visas in the United States of America are Canadians. That is an immigration law. They're the number one violators of that immigration law. You may have not heard of that because it's not promoted. You know, that's not really problematic there, Canadians. Um, there's more. Law enforcement officials are under pressure to use tougher measures to disperse demonstrations, including those that continue to clog traffic uh, between the United States and Canada. So far, two major ports of entry, uh, the Ambassador Bridge connecting Detroit to Windsor, Ontario, uh, and the crossing linking Montana to Alberta have been closed or partially blocked. Um, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of, we just, we wanna figure out the best way to, you know, without violence and the least amount of resistance. Wait a minute, that narrative never is applied to anybody but white people in America. Mm -hmm. Francesca thoughts. I mean, exactly. My thoughts are on January 6th when um, officers, Capitol officers say, look, we didn't open fire because we were afraid of what was gonna happen to us because all these dudes were armed and dangerous. And it's so funny and interesting and constantly makes me reminds me of the Black Panthers and their conclusion, which was unless Black Americans and you know, in, in terms of political organization, are armed, we will never get respect. Well, it turns out instead you just do COINTELPRO and you infiltrate and you mm. systemically murder, you know, Fred Hampton in his bed and leaders, et cetera, et cetera. There's other ways to get around that. But interesting how whether it's Canada or the United States, law enforcement suddenly when it's white people is like, oh no, yeah. we it might be counterproductive. But meanwhile, two years ago, any demonstrator in the street around BLM completely brutalized, pepper sprayed. They were just holding a sign doing nothing. Yep. I just wanna say, whether it's Trudeau or Biden, I think we need to address this white genocide BS head on. Talk about it, as, as comedian W. Kamal Bell always used to say when Trump got elected, go get your boy, go get your boy. These are your people, talk to them, tell them that it's all in their head, it's not white genocide. Explain to them, let's stop running from this. Like like white supremacy is a, 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 a small sort of fringe, it's gaining traction, right? And I know, look, let's remember with this truck convoy, last thing I'll say, they are a minuscule fraction of the many truckers who are not in agreement with this protest. Right. Obviously not in agreement with this dude, but still I feel like the antidote to Trump and Trumpism and all this racism, we haven't seen yet. We've never seen our white leaders really address this head on and I'm waiting, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath, <laughs> all right? We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. You know, I have some really, really good news that 
the credit goes to you. Indisputable has been named the fastest growing news TV show in the United States of America. Compared to all shows on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and roughly 30 others. You deserve that credit. I'm going to give you the details of that because you deserve it. You made this so. This was a study done by HEG Hicks Evaluation Group. They did a six month study of all television news shows in the market. In order to qualify for the study, you had to be on for at least one hour, at least one hour every day of the week and at a fixed time all weekdays. And you had to be on a traditional cable network or linear streaming television. So that qualified our program. They studied months of data on television network streaming on linear, which includes Comcast, Xfinity X1, Xfinity Flex, Samsung TV Plus, Zumo TV, Roku, Pluto, and YouTube TV online, social media platforms, and via podcasting. So I'm thankful and humble and appreciative of all of the support. The credit goes to the entire TYT family. My production team is the best in the land. Uh, the TYT family from the beginning, you all have been remarkable. The management here is outstanding. I'm trying not to get emotional, um, giving you all this amazing news. Uh, but I just want to say, I want to say thank you. All right, we're going to keep pushing. But thank you. I'm humbled. You so. deserve a lot of the credit, Doc. Obviously, you're you're touching a chord, and it's it really is resonating with people. And you're unapologetic, and we love that about you. So thank you, thank you. Don't my sell yourself short. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. All right, got that out the way. Yes, it is what it is. We are the fastest growing news show in America. Thank you. Okay, very thankful. All right, don't forget to watch my big homie Jared Jackson. Jackson, the watch list that's live every weekday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Find out the stories that you should be paying attention to, news, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. It's a hell of a show, I love the show, he covers so much ground. It's a 10 week test series on TYT, make your support known. So here's how you do that, you can go and watch live, number one. Number two, make sure you subscribe at youtube.com forward slash watch list TYT and facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. Oxy Kingpins, you know what it is. Check out the special online screening of Oxy Kingpins on Kinema. That's today. All right, we've been prepping for this, right? That's today at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. It will be followed by a robust QA. The cost for a ticket is 15 bucks. Part of the proceeds will be donated to a charity to help educate and empower communities devastated by the opioid crisis. You can purchase a ticket to watch the online screening at tyt.com forward slash screening. All right, go ahead and do that, it's a great cause. And I'm telling you, I've seen the trailer for this and it is intriguing, I love it. All right, I'm looking forward to this. The Oxy Kingpin covers the untold story of how a network of pharmaceutical companies, manufacturers, distributors and retailers work together in a conspiracy way, in a conspiracy to orchestrate and perpetrate the opioid crisis that killed how many people? Over half a million Americans. All right, so make sure you check it out, okay? I wish a Karen would. 
Uh, you want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're, you're I feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. This particular Karen did not want to wear a mask per the rules of that facility. She was given a choice, either put on a mask so we can continue the game. Or if you do not put on a mask, we will actually cancel the game. She chose the latter. Now, I'm going to highlight a couple of dynamics here. Number one, according to this Karen, her choice to not wear a mask should inconvenience the 99.9% of individuals who are. Number two, the penalty for her not wearing a mask is to not penalize her at all. This is an important distinction here because the penalty to enforce the actual policy is to not give the person who's breaking the policy a penalty. Mm -hmm. When you have infraction with no direct enforcement, the infraction really does not exist. So there's no penalty for her. And I do have a question for those who are in charge of this facility. Why is it that there was never a discussion or an attempt to have her lawfully removed for criminal trespass? It was not even given as a potential option. The only option was, Karen, if you continue to violate the rules of this facility, well, doggone it, we're all going to have to leave the facility. <clears throat> That's privilege, all right? Yeah, that's privilege. Okay, Francesca thoughts. Yeah, I mean they they love that too. That's all they want to do. They want attention. They 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 love the oh they want to inconvenience other people because they're making a stand because this is their civil rights movement. She's Rosa Parks in her mind. I mean that's how delusional a lot of anti-mask people are at a time when we are straight up still. 2,500 people a day dying. We hit 900,000 deaths in the, this is the United States. Yeah, we've got way more deaths and yet way more access to things like the vaccine than any other country in the world. Huh, makes you think if what is so great about the United States? I mean, it reminds me of like, look, I do comedy. If there's a heckler in the, in the room, the bouncer, the manager, the club owner will say, please leave. You need to go if you're going to keep on. What would happen, Francesca, if the penalty was, hey, if you keep heckling our comedians, we're all going to have to cancel the comedy exactly. club. Exactly. We're leave. done. Ooh, that was a good sick burn, Karen. I get I think we're done here. I think uh <laughs> right. you just heckling this show made us all go home. Good night. Like no. In what world? And and finally, again, anti-maskers think that they are being discriminated against when in fact they are a they are a special class. I'm reminded of the of the pilot that turned an entire airplane around because a dude wouldn't put on or a woman wouldn't put a mask on her face. Yeah. Imagine not being on that plane and being another passenger. Just. Right, and here's the thing, here's the reality. They are being discriminated against and rightfully so. You see, discrimination is not illegal or even unethical unless it's applied to a characteristic 
that's protected, all right? Mm. They're discriminating against people who do not wear a mask. They are discriminating against individuals. Um, if a shirt, if a, a store says no shirt, no shoes, no service, they're discriminating against people that have no shirt, <laughs> no shoes, right? So, so that's the issue. The issue is not, oh, well, we're being discriminated against. You damn right you are. You are absolutely being discri- discriminated against, and rightfully so. This is the way it works, okay? Mm. If if you decide to um, go out of your home nude, you will get arrested in most jurisdictions. They are discriminating against your indecency, okay? Yes, that's discriminatory as well. It's not racially discriminative, but it is in fact discriminatory, discriminatory, and it should be, all right? So let's get out of this. People have the right to uh, have common sense rules for their facility. This Karen does not believe so. All right, another cop. Damn shame, damn shame. Cop, a deputy, Cobb County, Georgia, indicted for child pornography, sharing images of children online. And this SOB has been working for the sex crimes unit for 15 damn years. Put up his picture, put up his mugshot. A federal grand jury has indicted a former county sheriff's deputy accused of distributing child pornography while working in the sex offender unit. That's according to the US Attorney's Office. His name is Peter Billardello, 51 years of age from Marietta, Georgia. Was arraigned before a federal judge for the charges after an indictment in January. This former deputy now, had been employed at the Cobb County Sheriff's Office for more than 15 years and worked for part of that time in the sex offenders unit. This has a chilling and deep background, we're gonna give it to you. According to information presented in court, an investigation began in November of 2019. Keep in mind, he's been on investigation for a while. When the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received a report that a user of the social media platform me, we had allegedly uploaded and shared around a dozen images depicting children under the age of 12 in sexually explicit situations. After an investigation that lasted over two years, the Cobb County Police, they determined that the user of the social media account was Bill Ardello. US Attorney said, and I quote, Billardello allegedly shared child porn through social media while he was employed as a law enforcement officer. The victimization of children is one of the most heinous crimes imaginable and distributing images of child sexual abuse compounds the harm. It is especially troubling that these crimes were allegedly committed by someone in a position of public trust. Let me remind people, this is not the first time Indisputable has covered a person of public trust, in public trust, doing something like this, accused of something like this. Hell, we just had it earlier in the show today of a school teacher doing something like this. And what we're finding, now keep in mind, the vast majority of professionals, they would never do anything like this. But what we are finding, individuals who are monsters against our children will seek out opportunities in their profession to be close to them, okay? This guy was on the sex crimes unit, a specialized task force, special training, special access, all right, special investigations. 
Um, officials uh, say a search of Bill Ardello's home, cell phone, and the MeWe account led investigators to confirm the deputy had uploaded and shared the child pornography while talking while talking with other users. The search also led agents to recover more than 100 images and videos depicting young children in sexually explicit situations. Uh, this cop was arrested immediately, resigned from his job at the Cobb County Sheriff's Office. Now, let me bring up why that's problematic. You don't get to resign for a damn thing if I'm the sheriff. Now, remember, your resignation has to be accepted, okay? I would reject the resignation so that on record, I have fired you. But his resignation allows him to still keep some of his benefits intact, okay? Um, the um, acting special agent in charge said, and I quote, every time pornographic images are distributed online, that child is continuously re-victimized. The FBI will not tolerate predators who prey on our children, especially ones like this guy, who are sworn law enforcement officers that took an oath to protect the citizens of our community. And listen, we found out also this is still under investigation, all right? So there could be more variables involved here than just what we've been presented with. Francesca is horrible. What are your thoughts on it? It's horrible and horribly unsurprising mm. given the way that police around this country are not held accountable and they are set up for corruption. It is a profession rife with corruption. And whether that corruption is framing a suspect or lying about whether or not the suspect shot at you or was armed, covering up that, or whether it is, you know, confiscating drugs yourself and potentially reselling them or keeping them, whatever it is, keeping money that is confiscated or keeping child pornography that you are in charge of investigating and and, and redistributing that, right? And so it goes, it's par for the course for me. And it also shows, especially with something like child pornography and sex crime, which is in deeply delicate and and sensitive and traumatizing for the officers that are involved. I actually know somebody who's a detective in this particular yeah. field. It's very traumatizing and it just goes to show that police work and detective work needs to be supported also by people who do regularly deal with child sex trauma and that can be social workers, it can be psychologists, it can be mental health as experts so that right. they are are the ones who are handling this, maybe in tandem with police officers, but the police officers who are so unaccountable in every other field and every other part of their profession cannot get away with doing something like this for so long. That's right, I advocate as a policy for police officers to have a psychological evaluation every six months. Most jurisdictions will do it obviously that first time before they're hired. And then they only do it based on event. So if there's an event that happens, they then can be mandated to do a psychological eval. Well, here's the reality. Maybe you missed it the first time, okay? Maybe you missed something. And sometimes the cop you hired on day one is not the same cop on day 61, all right? So you need to be able to track this as it happens. So that's a policy that could possibly catch some of these things in process. All right, we got more, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Black man is shopping at a store, he gets apprehended by the police. 
because they think he's stealing, even though the suspect they're looking for is a white male. Here's the video. Yeah. How you doing, man? Take your hands out of your pockets for me. How you doing? What's doing well? I'm trying to stop. What's up? Yeah, uh, LP called and said that uh, you were concealing some items inside your jacket. Who do I sue? Huh? Who do I sue when you don't find? Hey, come get this on film. Well, that's what Who do I sue? No, we're just trying to figure it out. Like I said, we got a call. That LP is following somebody. Okay. Let's say you've got a brown jacket on. Okay. That's all. I walked in here five minutes after you guys walked in. I saw you walk in. So how could they see me still? I have no idea. Get this on film, please. Yeah. Well, that's what, again, that's what we're here just trying to figure it out. So what do you want? What do you want me to do? If, if you have things concerned. What did they say? Can... A black man did it? No, no sir. Well, what did they say? Because I walked in here after you guys. Listen, listen. Yep. This isn't tan. Do you have any items in your jacket? Hell yeah, I got items in my jacket. Okay. The items that I walked in here with behind you guys. Clear one in custody. We just take them to the office. Yeah, take them to the office. They eventually arrested the right suspect. Let's put up both of their pictures side by side. You tell me, do they look anything alike? Does their clothing look anything alike? According to one of the officers, the black male's clothing perfectly matched the description of the suspect. Now, what have we exposed here? The police will lie and tell you, well, you meet the description of the suspect. He did not meet the description of the suspect. Um, This occurred at a Meyer in Butler County. Um, It's uh, in Ohio. So let's give you the background of this. It's fascinating and, uh, and and an expression of racism again. Two Westchester police officers and Meyer are now named in a lawsuit filed by a Butler County man, Eric Lindsay, who alleges he was illegally detained. And yet another example of a black person being confronted by law enforcement while going about everyday life and doing nothing illegal. It's called shopping while black. In this case, Eric Lindsay of Liberty Township says he went to the Meyer store off Interstate 75 and Tylersville Road on his way home. This was January 29th, 2021. He just happened to arrive at the store after a shoplifting offense, walking in behind the officers who responded to it, all right? Shoplifting offense has already happened. Cops are responding to it. He walks in after the police. So you have a criminal, you have the cops and you have a black man. The criminal goes in first, cop goes in second, black man goes in third. Who gets apprehended? Okay. Um, he walked in behind the officers who responded to it. Lindsay is a black man in his 60s. He wore an orange puffy coat with a tan and brown scarf that night. The suspect who was described by representatives of Meyer as a white man. This is how they described 
the shoplifter. They said it was a white man in his 30s, okay, wearing a green or gray coat with a red hoodie underneath. I mean, that was exactly the description and it was accurate. Yet police stopped Lindsay, a black man that had nothing like that on. The suit alleges unlawful detention and says Lindsay suffered humiliation, embarrassment, and severe emotional distress, and I concur. Lindsay's attorney, Fannin Rooker, said Lindsay was the only African American in the store and is the last person they should have stopped. They walked past a dozen or more white shoppers, did not speak to a single one. And went to him and started bothering him, according to the attorney. Let's put up the chief of police here, okay? Um, the suit names Officer Tanner Sendez and Timothy Mitkenbau, while no ideal or conf- uh, uh, while there's no confirmed photos of those two, we have some. We we don't know if they're confirmed. Um, that is the police chief, uh, Joel Herzog. And Joel's picture is confirmed. All right, Francesca, damn. It's just, I mean, it's fun that people, white people in this country are trying to ban critical race theory. Mm. As if the cops don't give us a lesson in critical race theory every damn day. I mean, just looking at this, like white suspect and the only black man in the store is the one who gets apprehended. Like lesson learned children, everyone, you don't even need a textbook. You just gotta watch Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Like it is very open and shut. I will say though, to their credit, a lot of cops, you know, they are colorblind and they don't see race. And so they don't see an orange jacket versus a gray or a green jacket. So yeah, to their credit, they're like the dogs they use. <laughs> they, don't, they don't see color. I, I know it's fascinating because you know they're going to say, well, we didn't approach him because he was black. Well, wait a minute, but the dispatcher told you it was a white shoplifter in the store. So how did you bypass 12 white people? And found the one black person in the facility. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and it could have ended worse, Doc. Right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, usually we see definitely. those videos, and that man is being slammed to the ground. Right? Mm-hmm. Thank God, and uh, and good on him for standing up for himself. Yes. But also, it is dangerous to stand up for yourself to law enforcement as a black person in this country. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm glad he's suing. I love that's the first thing out of his mouth. Who do I sue? Yeah, and he was, listen, he didn't write a blank check. He told them, listen, who do I sue? And he (laughs) is doing exactly that. Twelve year old swimmer who wore a Black Lives Matter swimsuit was told she was disqualified from swimming because that message is inappropriate. Let me bring your attention to Wisconsin, okay? Let's put up a picture. That's the picture of the swimsuit in question. Lydie Jelana is a 12 year old swimmer who has always had a passion for social justice. She showed up her at her meet at Superior High School on the 6th of this month with a swimsuit emblazoned with Black Lives Matter. What do you think happened to her? She wanted to show solidarity 
following the death of Mr. Amir Locke. But according to CNN, Lyons was almost disqualified for demonstrating. An official had called Lyons over and incorrectly stated that her swimsuit was against USA swimming rules of no political language. I mean, you gotta think about this. I want you to understand what's happening here. You mean to tell me that if I simply say, you know, black lives matter, that's political language and it is banned language now, according to the officials at the swim meet, okay? Um, an independent volunteer official inappropriately barred a student athlete. This is according to uh, the family YMCA. Uh, inappropriately barred a student athlete from taking part in the meet due to their Black Lives Matter swimsuit, stating that it went against USA Swimming's policy of no political language. According to the Duluth Area Family YMCA, uh, which sponsored the event Sunday at Superior High School, Lydie's mom, Sarah Lyons, quickly stepped in to support her daughter when she refused to take the swimsuit off. She said, Mom, I'm not taking the swimsuit off. And I said, you go girl, and okay, mm-hmm. way to go mom. Um, the young lady missed one race uh, before the decision was reversed. Her mom said YMCA officials overruled the official and Lyons was allowed to continue participating in the swim meet. The Duluth YMCA said, the organization said the official has been banned from future swim meets hosted by the Duluth YMCA. The NAACP also got involved um, and said, if you look at the USA Swimming website and what they talk about their race, their anti-racism policy, you look at the why, who is open and inclusive and talks about diversity. And yet we are hiring officials that treat black women, black girls like this. What an extreme situation. Black Lives Matter swimsuit got her initially banned from swimming. But that's a really good point, right? It's like, look, the YMCA and US you know, Women's Swim and, and whatever, US Swimming, Everyone has their own statement on their website and they wanna be seen as you know, racially sensitive. They wanna be seen as down for the cause. They wanna be seen as, as taking these issues seriously and making, um, a, let's be honest, a predominantly white sport um, more inclusive. And like now they have officials that are saying that a 12 year old can't wear a Black Lives Matter swimsuit when it literally just says Black Lives Matter, that's it, it's not harming yep. anybody. So like, you know, this is sort of where the corporate rubber hits, hits the road. I know these yep. these aren't corporations, but that, that is a really important point. And you know, this is also in a couple years where like what, the swim caps for you know black swimmers were had to be like rescinded and they had to wear different swim caps. I mean, I'm surprised she wasn't disqualified for wearing braids. Like mm. the number of hoops, no pun intended, that black athletes have to jump through to qualify to continue to, I mean, it's just endless again. And I can't believe we're having this discussion, but here we are. Yeah, and I need the YMCA to come out more forcefully. I understand they did the right thing. It was immediately overturned. The young lady still did miss one of her swim meets because of it. But now this is a perfect opportunity for the YMCA to be forceful about their diversity and inclusion training, their racial sensitivity training. Like now, this is the place you implement something like that because the offense was bad, but it did not cause the life of somebody, but it was a, it was a bad thing to do. So now you implement that corporatized training so that you have more of an informed 
um, group of officials officiating your events. All right, we have an update. Just want to make sure we get this all out there for the record. Um, you have seen the killing of Amir Locke, okay? The killing of Amir Locke was because of a no knock warrant, a young 22 year old male sleeping, had lawful access to a gun, was startled. Even though according to the policy of Minneapolis, they were no longer serving no knock warrants, but it still happened and he's now dead. Let me remind you of what happened, it's tough to watch, here's the video. Officer Mark Henneman was identified as the cop who shot Mr. Locke, shot and killed Mr. Locke. Now, I need to show you the systemic structures that led to the death of Mr. Locke. The mayor of Minneapolis ran as a reformist. He said he was going to create a level of transparency in policing and other governmental departments in that city like never before. He also said under his administration, when he ran for re-election, he said under his administration, he banned no knock warrants. It was actually on his website until last week. Huh. That one of his successes is that he banned no knock warrants. He proclaimed during an interview, no knock warrants are only used in our city for hostage situations. But we found out that was untrue. So look at the systemic failures. You have a policy that really was not in existence as it relates to culture. You have a judge in Minneapolis who actually signed the no knock warrant. You also had a breakdown in the command staff who ordered it. A departmental breakdown between one police agency and the other, okay? And they were going after the wrong person. He was not in that apartment. Mark Hanneman, department hired this guy back in 2015. Um, we have been unable to find a verified picture, but I got some background. I see the record show there have been three complaints against him that were closed without discipline. Data from communities against police brutality shows a fourth complaint from 2018 that is still open and under investigation. No specifics were provided in any of the complaints and the police department spokesperson told Newsweek it cannot provide comment on the complaints. Now, let me bring it back to a policy discussion. Remember the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act. Well, that federal law, if it ever becomes federal law, would require a federal database. It would require reporting of police misconduct to a federal database that you and I can access. It makes sense, we pay their salary, we should be able to access their record. They can access yours, they can access mine, I wanna access theirs. Um, so. That's the update, Hanneman was heavily involved in the statewide drug recognition evaluator training program called DRE, run by the Minnesota State Patrol while he was a police officer in Hutchinson. Hanneman would drive his squad car into downtown Minneapolis from Hutchinson, 
a small town about an hour west of the city to give drugs to unhoused people and occupy Wall Street protesters in order to evaluate their reactions. Yeah, isn't that deep? Hanneman routinely drove a squad car down there. We got those pictures. And in terms of possible charges for the Miralock shooting, criminal charges will be considered. For the officers involved in the fatal shooting of Amir Locke, a 22 year old black man killed during an early morning no knock warrant raid last week. So we'll see what happens, all right. Um, once again, the press conference that I saw, we talked about it on the show. I didn't like it, didn't like the tone. I was very thankful that one of the co leaders of the oversight team spoke up. Francesca, what are your thoughts on this case? I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a political failure. And it also shows us that the police, um, like so many military units across this country, I'm thinking of Border Patrol, are out of control. Yeah. That Politicians do not have a handle on these police forces. And it doesn't matter what you put on your website, if you are not shaking each and every one of your departments down, if you are not speaking to your sergeants and your officers, if you do not know, you know what they're up to, then you could put anything you want in your stupid website. You could say whatever you want to appease people and get votes. But until until we see that you're actually doing something about it, we're never gonna believe you. So Minneapolis has a long way to go and my heart goes out to the Locke family. It, it is tragic and disgusting. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Every time you're on the show, you bring such an amazing insight to the commentary. Thank you for what you do. All right, tell Thanks. people how they can follow you and check you out. Follow me at Franny Fio. Listen and watch the Bituation Room Sundays 5 8 Eastern, except an hour later for the Super Bowl and Twitchuation Room every Wednesdays on TYT's Twitch. All right, very good stuff. Thank you.